The reading for today is from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 33, and verses 40 to 42. The apostles heal many. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple court, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force, because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin, to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict instructions not to teach in in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God, excuse me, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you have killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. 
Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and to let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray for Ivan as he comes to speak from God's word. Father, thank you for Ivan. Thank you for his ministry across the town. Thank you for his ministry here amongst us. And uh, Lord, we pray your blessing on, it, on him now as he speaks to us in Jesus' name. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Good morning to you all and a special hello if you're listening via the internet. You, you may be interested to know that if you add together the population of Shrewsbury, Oswestry, and Market Drayton, you've got roughly 100,000 people, which is neither here nor there, you may say. Um, well, that's the number of Christians around the world who are martyred every year. It's about one in every 11 minutes or 131 over the last 24 hours. Christians face some form of dis serious discrimination in 139 countries, which is to say about three quarters of the world. You will have been given a sheet when you came in, uh, I hope you were anyway, which lists the nine places in the world where Christians fare the worst. Do read it at your leisure, though leisure is probably not the right word. Um, and you can use it if you want in your house groups. Go on the websites, find out what's going on in far greater detail than I've got time for this morning. Everyday um, persecuted Christians all over the world face stark dilemmas. In the most extreme cases, like uh, <coughs> excuse me, those countries listed on your leaflet, there are basically four options. They can dive and survive. In other words, they can worship God in secret and then make sure that the powers that be don't know what they're doing. Um, the second option is to register with the authorities and accept the arduous restrictions that are put on them. The third option is to flee the country and live abroad. Many Christians have chosen this option in Syria, and I must admit, speaking for myself, I don't blame them. And the last option is to stay and die. If you choose to live a life as a Christian and make no concessions to the powers that be in these countries, you pay the ultimate price. I must confess that when I sit down and pray and prepare a sermon, um, I usually get some enjoyment from doing that, and I spice it up with a few amusing anecdotes and the occasional joke. But none of that, in this case, seemed really appropriate. Uh, and I felt, as, as I was doing my preparation, that I was really dragged over the coals or put through the mangle or any other nasty expression you can think of. 
In the passage which we just read, the followers of Jesus were beaten. And by that, we don't just mean a smack on the back of your legs with a ruler. Because the punishment would have been brutal, to say the least. And yet, quote, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I wonder, would we feel delighted that we were persecuted for our Christian faith? Would we, like the disciples, feel a sense of achievement, a sense that we got it right? It's a sobering thought, isn't it? And yet, we meet here openly. Anybody's welcome to come and join us and worship in this church. We sit in our comfortable seats in a very pleasant church. We know, we know that we won't be interrupted by the authorities or secret police who disapprove of what we're doing. Most of the time, we're totally unaware of what some Christians are going through, even as I speak. But of course, they're not just fellow Christians. Rather, they are our brothers and sisters in the faith. Surely, if a member of your family were having a rough time, you'd feel for them. And to say that our persecuted brothers and sisters in the faith are having a rough time is quite an understatement. In spite of that, although this tale of woe is quite depressing, some Christians seem so positive. Just listen to these testimonies. The first one is from a group of pastors in Eritrea. The persecution and tribulation is ongoing. As some Christians are released from prison, others are going in for the sake of the gospel. We accept and understand that this is how the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be preached. And, wait for it, we thank God for that. We thank God for that. What a wonderful tribute to the faith of these fellow believers. Would you feel like that? I have to be honest here and say that I'm not so sure that I would. But how about you? Here's another one. All of the believers in our area are secret and persecuted. Uh, the person speaking is a secret believer from Central Asia. I kept my new faith a secret from my family for two months. The reason for her secrecy is that her father is a Muslim cleric. When she told him of her new faith, he stopped her meeting with other Christians. And she says, I met with them secretly for a year before my father found out. He shouted loud and long, but I had made my choice. I had decided to follow the joy and peace that Jesus brings. To this day, my father will not speak to me. Joy and peace 
that Jesus brings. Another challenge to us. He or she, because I don't know whether it was a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. But he or she was enjoying joy and peace in really adverse circumstances. Do we enjoy that joy and peace? If not, why not? Now let me tell you about AJ. When he became a Christian, his Hindu father was furious. He was beaten for reading his Bible, and then he was forcibly married to a Hindu girl. And this plan backfired as his wife decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> Which proves, doesn't it, that God must have a sense of humor. AJ's father disowned his son and his brothers threatened to kill him and the couple were thrown out of the house. He has never gone a day without some form of persecution. But AJ is not downhearted. God is blessing me in countless ways, he says. And I just had to include this brief testimony. I was just listening to the radio um, before I got up, listening to the news and so on. This came on the radio on uh, Radio 4 about 10 days ago. It was from a monk from the Coptic church in Egypt. And he was well aware of the persecution of Christians, but he simply said, we found real life when we found God. Just a few short words strung together. But aren't they profound? We found real life when we found God. I don't know about you, but all this information and these testimonies make me feel very uncomfortable. It would be so much easier not to know, wouldn't it? I receive emails and magazines about the persecuted church around the world. And when they come through the letterbox or through the emails, to be quite honest, my heart sinks. I don't really want to read it all. I don't want to know. Because I like to feel that everything in the garden is rosy and everything is wonderful. But of course it's not, that's not the case. Christians have suffered gruesome deaths over the centuries. What do you think this is, Aidan? If you can see it. Oh, you can't see it very well. <laughs> oh dear. Plan B. <laughs> what do you think it is? Jackie will know. No? Yes. David gets this week's star prize. Um, it's a Catherine wheel. So what about that? Well, just recently, we, three weeks ago, was it, we were celebrating Guy Fawkes Day, bonfire night, and one of the fireworks is a Catherine wheel, which is all very pretty. But the Catherine wheel is named after St. Catherine of Alexandria, who they say was tortured on the wheel. That cruel instrument of torture. That was in the 4th century AD. But she refused to give up her faith. She was subsequently beheaded. Those of you who are interested in painting will have seen pictures of St. Sebastian, 
who was tortured by being shot through with arrows. Um, I was going to show you a picture, but I decided against it, as I, there's no pleasure in wallowing in the most, one of the most horrific forms of torture. How about William Tyndale, strangled and burnt to death in the 16th century? These are just a few high-profile cases, but there are many, many of our dear brothers and sisters in the faith who were tortured in unspeakable ways, but they refused to recant. What an inspiration they should be to us. There are some parts of the Bible which I almost wish were not there. Let me give you a few. How about Matthew 5.10? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, we're blessed and promised a special reward when we're persecuted for our faith in Jesus. It's so easy for me to say these words. They just trip off the tongue. But I do so hope that you and I will never be tested in the way that some of our fellow Christians are. And that should surely encourage us all the more to pray for them. Here's another verse. 2 Timothy 3.12 Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This surely means that if we're living out our faith in our everyday life, we should expect to pay the price. I wonder, do we face any form of discrimination for the stand that we take? If not, why not? Could it be that we're compromising with the world's standards? So many people say these days, don't they, that faith, whatever you think that is, is important, but it doesn't matter what you believe. If it makes you happy, that's what counts. We need to have an answer ready so that we can refute comments like that. Do we stand out as followers of Jesus? Or putting that another way, if you were on trial for your Christian faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Here's another verse I struggle with. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Isn't that hard? And yet, you will know the passage in the book of Acts of the Apostles where Stephen was stoned to death. And as far as we know, he was the first martyr for the Christian faith. What were his last words? He said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. I wonder, what would be your reaction if you were about to be stoned to death? 
doesn't bear thinking about, does it? And yet, we feel that in our country, everything is so nice and hunky-dory. But why, why was it that a nurse was disciplined for praying with a patient? Why is it that now and then street preachers are cautioned by the police? The big issues these days are equality and diversity. Now, speaking for myself, I'm totally in favor of equality and diversity, but there have to be limits. I believe that people should be free to practice their faith, whatever that faith may be, but I refuse to accept that all faiths have the same value. How can that be the case if Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That is not the language of equality. As for diversity, that's all well and good, unless you, unless you mean by that that anything goes, anything is acceptable, as long as you feel comfortable with it and you don't hurt anybody. There's a whole sermon in that, and I've barely skimmed the surface, but it is so crucial that we make a stand for the freedoms which we have traditionally enjoyed as Christians. The Christian Institute plays a key role, standing up for those freedoms which we enjoy as Christians. Please pray for them. Which brings me neatly onto the question, what can we do? What should we do? Firstly, we need to find out what's happening by reading the press, but also digging into those, the literature of, lit of those organizations such as you have um, listed on your sheet. Uh, that's not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's a good starting point. And other information will come maybe in hard copy in the post or through the internet. Do pray for the persecuted church. I find it's difficult to cope with all the magazines I receive. So my solution is to concentrate on certain countries. I select the articles concerning Arab countries. And I have a soft spot for Egypt, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Syria. That's me. But you chose, choose those areas that you're most interested in. In your mind, adopt a handful of countries and focus your prayers on those areas which you adopt. It's good to support our persecuted brothers and sisters financially through various Christian organizations. Some of them are listed on your sheet. And these organizations, organizations rather help provide for basic needs. Some Christians can be helped where they are. Others need to be given enough money to pay for them to travel and build a new life in the free world. We need to tell others about what's happening so our brothers and sisters are not forgotten. And we can also write to our MP to make sure that he or she is aware of what's going on. 
and ask for the MP's intervention, positive intervention where possible. We can sign petitions. The question is not will you get involved. The question is how will you get involved. And that's between you and God. Please read the handout for further details. I do hope and pray that you will take a stand alongside our fellow brothers and sisters and play your part. Remember, we're all in this together. Amen.